It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz in Texas on the campus of Texas. Texas A&M Commerce, and we are broadcasting today in front of a live studio audience. Wow, what a what a great, lively crowd! I'm so glad to, to be here with you guys, and uh, we are on campus at Texas A&M Commerce to uh, honor you for your community service. We have with us our first guest, Sierra. Hi, Sierra. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing great, and you are on the SAAC, or SAC, or what is that? Student Athletic Advisory Committee, basically. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, you go ahead. And as a Student Athletic Advisory Committee member, uh, you'd call this student leadership, right? Right. And, and you're involved with the charities, and I hear there's a couple of cool things happening that have happened uh, with Breast Cancer Awareness and Make-A-Wish Foundation. Tell us what you do with those organizations. So basically, um, we go out at every game, like football games, basketball games, we pass a bucket, and we collect money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And, you know, that's for kids with terminal illnesses, and they have one last wish, and we try to make that wish come true. And for the breast cancer awareness, we do one for the sports. We have tackle pink for football, dig pink for volleyball, pink zone for basketball, and kick pink for soccer. And like at the door, basically, we just ask people to donate for breast cancer awareness. That's great that you're that involved with your communities. And the third thing I wanted to mention here, I just learned about this today, happens with uh, the pie in the face initiative that you have. Uh, Tell us about this. I've actually got the flyer here in my hand. Can you pie a coach in the face? Pied in the face. How does this work? Okay, so this is where we're going to have like non-perishable food items that people can get, that people need to bring, and they are going to put them in a bucket, and the coach that has the most non-perishable food items will get a pie in the face. Basically, that's what it is. And I got to imagine that there's some uh, student athletes in the room tonight that can't wait to throw anything in, in in your coach's face. And what kind of pie is this? It's the whipped cream pie, right? Probably Can so. you bring your own pie? Like, let's say you put a big wrench in it or something. I don't know if no, you can bring your own pie, but it'll and, be fun. And, and I've heard uh, uh, Coach Farmer is the, is the fan favorite, right? I've heard Coach Farmer is the fan favorite, the, uh, the strength and conditioning coach, so you must be really hard on these guys. So be prepared to get hit in the face with a wrench pie. Okay. Sierra, thank you so much for uh, talking to us about your initiatives here. Thank you for your community service. And uh, everybody really in the room, all all of the student athletes here at Texas A&M Commerce, give yourselves a round of applause for everything you do. Adam Ritz is a media personality and keynote speaker, interviewing amazing people from coast to coast. Follow him on Twitter at Adam Ritz or listen to him now on The Adam Ritz Show. 
Lacrosse as a national sport's been around for decades. It's just starting to explode and boom in the Midwest and beyond. And we're lucky enough to be joined by head coach of Carmel Lacrosse, Tom Coons. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Tell us. I'm fine. Thank you. Tell us real quick uh, your background in lacrosse. Yeah, I started in upstate New York, a Rochester kid, uh, played in high school, played youth, and uh, played Nazareth College for my college uh, career. So, you know, in the middle of the country, lacrosse is pretty, fairly new. I mean, I got to admit, when I was, we're about the same age. When I was growing up, lacrosse was never even an option for a young man to play. How old were you when you were, you know, exposed to it? I'm guessing it's like hockey to the Canadians. You're on the East Coast, it's lacrosse. Yeah, it's like seven years old. You're playing lacrosse back there. So um, it's pretty prevalent back there. It was kind of birthed out of uh, the native Indians and and the reservations in upstate New York and that area, Baltimore area. And it it took off from there. So here in uh, middle America, I can only assume that every kid that plays lacrosse at age seven on the East Coast goes and plays college lacrosse. That can't be the case, no, right? No, it's not. No, no. <laughs> so you no. were good at it. <laughs> well, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, the uh, the parity now is uh, they're trying to recruit athletes. And I think here in the Midwest, the one advantage we have is we have great kids and great athletes. Um, so we can teach them the basics of lacrosse, and hopefully that will translate to the college game. Now, you've got a couple programs here with Carmel Lacrosse that are uh, really getting a lot of notice nationally. Uh, tell us about those programs. Yeah, um, there's a couple youth programs. We have Carmel Dads Club, which is a youth sports organization here in Carmel. It's about uh, 500 kids playing between third and eighth grade. Um, we have Count on Me Lacrosse. It's a uh, instructional you know, youth development program. Uh, we have a couple hundred kids in that. Um, and then there's, a, there's an advanced program called Titanium, and Titanium's a, a travel program for kids to play in the summer. And as far as lacrosse, uh, with a young man, you know, organized sports is such a great way for kids to learn discipline and leadership. How does lacrosse, I guess, translate into those arenas? Well, I think like other sports that are more mainstream, it translates that you learn teamwork. You learn how to be part of a member of a team and know your role. I think it also helps with uh, understanding adverse situations and overcoming those in life. Um, You can count on the guy next to you. You can count on people in life. And I think that translates very well. Now, as far as, uh, you know, a team sport, lacrosse with Carmel, you are, uh, I've learned, uh, I was going to say a national, international sport. Um, uh, it's global. You're, you're playing teams with Canada, out of Canada. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, it's not, that's not fairly normal for a high school aged young man to just jump on the bus and go play a team across town. How, how is that working out logistically with your young guys? Well, it works. I think it's great. It's good exposure. It's a good opportunity for our kids to learn other cultures and other, other parts of the country, other parts of the world. So um, really excited about our, our growth this year, we're, we're joining the Midwest Scholastic League. Um, so we're, we're really excited about the expansion of lacrosse in the Midwest. And we also want to talk with Tom about his uh, college playing days now uh, in New York. What school was it? Nazareth College, a Division three program right in Rochester. And did you have guys on your squad go to the pros? I know uh, the, the major indoor lacrosse league on the East Coast, they used to pack, not used to, they still, they, I mean, where the NBA teams play, 18,000 people show up oh, yeah. to watch pro lacrosse. You played with these guys. Oh, yeah. I played with a lot of those guys, a lot of reservation guys, um, guys off the res, and a lot of guys that um, went on and played from seven years old on and um, played in the pros and, and played box indoor and played the outdoor game, which is now becoming very big. Did you have some pro tryouts? Were you looked at by the league? I did. I played for uh, Buffalo Bandits for one one year, and, and it was too punishing for a guy like me, so I moved on. <laughs> 
Well, we're uh, lucky to have Tom Coons with us. Uh, he's a head coach of uh, lacrosse in the Midwest and uh, a player of uh, lacrosse in college. And I love having this opportunity to talk to you about lacrosse from the college ranks because we talk to a lot of mainstream sports, a lot of football and basketball coaches about player development and how they, uh, you know, teach their kids life skills and stuff that's important for a young man to learn off the court or off the field. So it's great to get your take on these kind of life skills and leadership issues from a lacrosse point of view. I imagine they're about the same. Uh, what's, what's your take on these life skills issues with your players or even when you were in college? Oh, I think one of the most important things about athletics is understanding that you're part of a bigger picture. It's not about you. It's about the, the entire community program. And I think why teams are great, churches are great, families are great is because people care more. And I think athletics teaches you to care more. Well, let me ask you, uh, put you on the spot to ask you about your community service, uh, not now, but when you were in college. A lot of college athletes take the opportunity, their platform, to help out their community and maybe underprivileged kids or at-risk kids. What, what are some of the stories, if I put you on the spot, that you can remember from when you were in college doing community service? Well, it was a while ago. It was back in the 80s. So, um, <laughs> you know, community service is more prevalent, I think, today than it was back then for, for college programs. Um, for us, it was all about the Rochester area, kid uh, player development, uh, community service was based on you know helping people cut their lawn or take garbage out or helping the elderly and now it's more about um, you know the organizational development of programs so it's helping youth programs start up and grow and, and teaching those kids and we were just block and tackle help you know we were the the grunt boys if you will so we took the garbage out and we cut the lawns and you know we took people to the um, to the grocery store and that's just things we did back then. Now, I'm sure lacrosse is the same as some of the major uh, team sports, football, basketball, uh, baseball, um, in the respect that you've probably seen a lot of guys come through your sport that were immensely talented, yeah. but maybe had a character issue. And one of the things we really touch on with this broadcast is uh, how important character is, how important it is to be a gentleman. Uh, and I don't want you to call anybody out by no, name, no, no. but do you know some guys from that era that uh, maybe had a little, of a, a little bit of a narcissistic character issue, maybe even legal problems that could have gone on and played, played pro, yeah. but they had those hangups? Yeah, you always have, you know, kids like that, especially when you're in an inner city, you know, upstate New York, Rochester area, you know, a small smaller school, you're going to have your bad apples. Yeah. Um, and it's all about choices. And hopefully we help these young men make good choices. He's Tom Coons, head coach of Carmel Lacrosse, played in uh, college in New York, and uh, you're ready to take on the world with more community service and leadership. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. I'm Adam Ritz, and we're in Lowell High School. We're here with the principal. Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Lori, should I call you Mrs.? Uh... No, 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 no. Call me Lori. What do your students call you? Mrs. Pavel. <laughs> Mrs. Pavel. Okay, I'll call you Lori. Since I'm way too old to be a student, uh, we are here for a special Olympics initiative called Champions Together. It was a fantastic, amazing, motivational presentation. Uh, special Olympian Andrew Peterson gave uh, the most moving speech I've ever seen. Uh, talk about what this has been like for you as principal of these students to sit through something this amazing. Well, it was pretty amazing to watch them be so quiet and, and the, you could hear a pin drop in the whole auditorium. Um, it's been the perfect clincher for the year that we've had um, working toward athletes, athletes um, working with special needs students. Um, it, it far, far um, surpasses anything that we've ever done. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, just the track or treat, the um, special needs prom that uh, Jordan Zube almost 
by yourself put on, and it has just been an incredible year. You have had uh, a student here, uh, I learned her name as well earlier, Jordan Zuba. Zube. Zube. Mm-hmm. She has taken it upon herself to work with special needs kids and planned a prom herself, heard about some of the other initiatives. Um, did she come to you? Does this Is this all on her own? I mean, how does this work? Pretty much on her own. <laughs> she um, came to me to ask for some support and some help as we delivered the message out to the other communities. But... I'm going to say pretty much by yourself, pulled this prom off. And the kids came in um, just as though it was a normal prom. They danced the whole night long. Um, It was incredible. Now, as far as a principal in your office, uh, my sister's an elementary school principal. So I kind of, I know it's probably her problems times 10 since you're the high school principal. Um, How great is it to have something that you're this proud of that's not a problem or a headache? Very, very, very proud. You've got a huge smile. (laughs) It's been amazing. And I can tell you that the students of Lowell High School, for the most part, are amazing kids. Well, and then just to uh, ramp up again about why we're here, it's uh, Champions Together. This is uh, part of Unified Sports where uh, student athletes from high schools across the country work with and play with and athleticize with uh, Special Olympians. And uh, Indiana is the fourth state now in the United States to have actual state championships recognized within the, I guess, faction of Unified Sports. So we thank you for having this presentation for your students. We love the smile on your face. We're glad that you're not, I'm not in your office getting ready to get uh, the board. Uh, so to speak. Uh, That's what they used to do when I was in high school. You can't do that anymore, can you? No, thank goodness, because I don't like that. (laughs) But I would be remiss if I did not tell you that Patty McCormick and Karen and Diane have been a tremendous influence on why this has happened and the success that we've had this year, very honestly. Patty, uh, they're staffers in the head office, and Patty's your athletic director. Patty McCormick and her two uh, assistants, Karen Mize and Diane Schoon, have been truly instrumental and pulling the year off the way well, I'm so glad you gave them some credit, too. And if uh, for our listeners that want to learn more about uh, Champions Together, their Facebook page is slash Champions Together. The Twitter account is at Champs Together. Check this out. It is worth your time. I'm Adam Ritz at Lowell High School with Lori. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. The Adam Ritz Show, a reality show for your radio. We love catching up with former professional athletes on this broadcast. We talk a lot about fellowship and faith and service and community service and philanthropy. And we like to bridge the gap between those topics and um, professional athletes. And now we're joined by somebody that can absolutely bridge those topics for us. Mark Thomas. Hi, thank you for joining us today, Mark. Good. Good to be here. I appreciate you having me. Former NFL star with uh, the Indianapolis Colts. What other teams did you play with? I played for the San Francisco 49ers. They drafted me in 1992. From there, I went to uh, the Carolina Panthers. The first two years they were in existence, that was great. And then Chicago Bears, and I finished up in 2001. Out of uh, North Carolina State, right? Correct. The Wolfpack. The Wolfpack. And we love the Wolfpack because of the Jim Valvano connection with uh, the Jimmy V Foundation. But uh, you know what? Just real quick about Jimmy V. Uh, What was that like going to North Carolina State? What what year? Were you there when they started the the Jimmy V Foundation? You know what? I was there. When I first got to North Carolina State, I got there in 1987. And that was right toward the end of Jimmy V's career. And so, yeah, he was an amazing guy. I had a few opportunities to meet him there when uh, we were in the chow hall and got to see him. And uh, great coach, obviously, uh, what his foundation's doing and just the kind of man he was. And 
uh, the legacy he left behind at NC State was great, but I didn't I didn't get a whole lot of time in them, and I really hadn't heard of NC State until I went there, <laughs> surprisingly <laughs> enough. But from uh, where? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Atlanta, just outside okay. Atlanta in a suburb, uh, Stone Mountain, Georgia, and didn't really know NC State existed until they started recruiting me uh, out of high school. But loved my experience there, and it and it got me where I needed to be in the NFL. And how many years in the in the NFL? Ten, ten years total. That's fantastic. A 10-year veteran of the National Football League. And now uh, I find this fascinating. You are um, the instigator, the originator, the founder, the founding pastor of, of a church, your own church. Am I saying, is this the right description? Yeah, yeah. I was part of, I was one of a few guys who, who was the founding members of the church we started back in 2003. And I came on staff originally from, from the beginning. I've been here uh, as a pastor on staff from the very beginning. And uh, it's been fanta- fantastic. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate to win a Super Bowl when I was with San Francisco. And I have to say that, that what I get to do now is probably as exciting as winning a Super Bowl. So it's, um, I mean, we're actually in the uh, auditorium, I suppose you'd yes. call it, where you actually have service on Sundays. This is called the Church for the Nations. And just real quick, is there a, a digital property, churchforthenations.org, or how can our listeners look this up? Sure. You can go to CFTN, which is for Church for the Nations, CFTNindy.com. That's our website. And... It's just, it's fascinating to me that a guy that played 10 years in the NFL would, uh, and I'm sure it wasn't this easy, but in my head, I'm thinking, okay, you're playing football one day, and then you wake up the next day and say, you know what, I'm going to start a church. Uh, did I simplify that, or how did this happen? Well, you know, it, it it's not overly simplified. I, toward the end of my career, I started thinking about, you know, what am I going to do post-career? And, and I think one of the things about athletes is athletes never see the end coming. And in this business, it's one day you're an athlete, the next day you're not. Um, There's no real preparation for the end. Uh, And toward the end of my career, uh, I started thinking, what do I really want to do? And one of the things I felt called to was the ministry. And actually, originally when I retired, I went to work with an athletic ministry uh, based out of Austin, Texas. Didn't know originally that I would end up being a pastor in a local church. It wasn't until uh, my first year out, I had spent a year uh, in the athletic ministry and actually traveled back to Indianapolis to do a, a few Bible studies that I realized, you know, my heartbeat and my passion really was with the local church, not solely with athletes, surprisingly enough, even though I used to be one. And so after being out of football for a year, um, we decided that the Bible study that had begun when I was on the team here in Indianapolis, it had gotten up to around 40 or 50 people. And our heart was originally to see a church planted in Indianapolis. And so when that talk started again, I just really realized that I felt like the Lord had called me and prepared me that this is where he wanted me and that I was supposed to come back to be an integral part of beginning the church. And here we are almost 10 years later, uh, and it's still going. And, you know, when I look at this building and look at what uh, we have here with, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a, for our listeners, I just want to really quickly describe the the stage. I don't know if, if that's if I can call it that, uh, the altar, the platform, platform, uh, the riser, there's a full drum kit, the keyboards. I'm sure there's some great music here on Sundays. And um, I think about, you know, what it would take to manage this. I mean, you have to have uh, some business acumen as well. I mean, this stuff isn't, somebody's got to pay for this. So you're running a small business and 
you are the lead pastor of a church. I mean, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. You know, the the interesting thing about the church world is you're working primarily with volunteers. Uh, it's one thing to have an employee. It's another thing to have to uh, gather together a group of volunteers that really are doing things because they they love what they do. They have vision for what, what you've put before them, and you can get people excited about that vision because it's just difficult to work with volunteers and get things done consistently when you're basically working with an all-volunteer basis. And that's the great thing about it, though, that I love is that I, I get to kind of share my heart on what uh, we feel like the Lord has called us to do as a, as a local church. And then the, we get to try to inspire people uh, to that vision and to see that as exciting. And, and yes, there is a managerial side and, and leading the staff and leading the ministry teams. And I will say that that's probably one of the areas that uh, coming out of a football background was, uh, I will say, fun and a real stretch for me uh, in my own leadership and learning how do you lead people. Um, it's one thing to lead yourself, but how do you lead people and lead people well, lead people effectively, and lead people righteously? And and, and it's been a great 10-year experience. I know uh, made a lot of mistakes early on, but I've I've been surrounded by some great people, studied a lot of great uh, leaders, I love John Maxwell, love his leadership stuff. Um, but it's exciting, it's fun, and it's really exciting when you get to do it with a group of people that you really love. Mark Thomas is our guest, 10-year veteran of the NFL and now founding member and pastor at Church of the Nations um, Church. And um, I wanted to ask you, when you started this church, why not um, just become a member of an already existing church? Why start from scratch to build something brand new? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think, number one, God begins to to plant a vision in your heart for what he's called you to. And, you know, there's a lot of fantastic churches. And, and one of the things that we felt very strongly was that the Lord had called me specifically and us, the team that came originally that started the church in 2003, to, to just a unique perspective and and. and kind of just we all the churches in, in this city just have a different call a different feeling a different flavor a different part to play in the in the greater body of Christ and and really felt very strongly that the Lord had a unique um, part that we were to play and it's just a part we're just a part of the whole um, we're not better we're just different um, and so the Lord just began to put the seed of that vision in our hearts and and we felt very strongly that it, we weren't going to be able to go into an existing church and try to that already has a leadership, that already has a vision, that already has a call, that already has a direction. That really, what the Lord was asking us to do was to see something birth that the city didn't have, and to do something just different because He wanted to just bring another aspect of the kingdom of God into the city of Indianapolis. And so that's been our heart, and that's why we started from the beginning, so uh, we could plant something that we felt like the Lord could could do something through to be a blessing in the city and that we could partner with some of the churches here uh, in the city to, to do something great. When you preach, does it ever come out, you know, you, you were a defensive end in the NFL. Does that come out? You know, when it's fourth down and the Lord is on your side. I mean, is that, do, you, do you wear shoulder pads when you're speaking? You know, it's fun. It's funny. There, there are definite moments that I, I use the football analogies. I mean, that that was such a big part of my life. I mean, I retired. Uh, I think I was thirty three when I retired. So I had almost twenty five, twenty six years of being an athlete. I mean, it's so part of who I am and who I was. 
that, that there's no way that I can get up and, and preach the word and, and share for my own life and that not be interwoven into it. I, I don't try to overdo it because yeah. I think it can be overdone and not everybody can relate to the to being an athlete. But there are there are moments where I, I bring it in. You know, one thing about Jesus that I loved is Jesus basically taught through parables. He taught through real life examples. And that's a real life example that many times you can take the truth of the word and you just wrap it in flesh. You paint a picture for people and it helps. And and it helps also get people kind of into my heart. And, and when I share and I try to be vulnerable and I try to share from my own struggles, my own life experiences, and that is a part of who I am. Um, and I can't shy away from that, but I just try to keep it in balance and try not to overdo it. So people are like, okay, enough of the football stories. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. I have to admit at my church, the pastors never, uh, sacked Brett Favre. Uh, have, have you sacked Brett Favre? You know, I've actually, sa- <laughs> I have, have actually sacked him. I've, I've been able to smack him around a little. I remember one of my favorite hits against him was when I played with the Carolina Panthers. It was the year they went to the Super Bowl. It was the NFC Championship game. I believe it was minus 32 wind chill. It was brutally cold, and I had a great hit on him, and I was bummed. We ended up losing that game, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. But here we are in our second year of existence, one game from the Super Bowl, and that was uh, just two years after I'd already been to the Super Bowl, so I was really excited. But, yeah, I had several opportunities to hit Brett, uh, playing for Chicago Bears, playing those guys twice a year. Uh, I had a lot of respect for him, but it felt really – there was a few guys in my career that felt good to sack. He was one of them. Dan Marino was another one. I, I like taking him down too. <laughs> So this might be the next sermon here at the church, the, the Dan Marino speech. Yeah, I mean, I can think of uh, of several uh, interesting things that have happened in a 10-year career, the things I've heard, the things I've seen. I do. I have enough preaching material for a year with what I went through. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Mark Thomas is our guest, uh, 10 years in the NFL, college football defensive end from North Carolina State, and now uh, a preacher with uh, the Church for the Nations, and it's CFTN. I'm sorry, CFTNND.com. Correct. Or dot org. Dot com. Dot com. What is next for the church? Um, I assume you grow. I assume, you know, what is that outreach? How do, how do you get new members? You know, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, that's always the million-dollar question. I, I think that... My focus and our focus as as a as a congregation and as a leadership, our our primary goal is not to grow. Healthy things grow. Our goal is to be healthy, to to produce healthy, wholehearted followers of Christ. And we believe with all of our hearts when people meet Jesus, when they know who he is in their life, when they understand what they've been saved from, when they understand all that God has done for them in Christ and who they are in Christ, when they understand their identity, the byproduct of a healthy, vibrant, dynamic, real, ongoing relationship with Jesus is you want to tell people about this Jesus. Um, That will help the church grow because when you're healthy, and when you when you have that kind of relationship, you tell people that don't have that relationship about this Jesus. And when that happens and people then learn about Jesus, the natural next step, because we believe in being in the local church, part of people's growth is being in a healthy local church. And so what we try to help our members do is as you're sharing your faith with your friends, your coworkers, your family members, when they hear this message, then then you bring them. 
and then we'll grow. The, the goal isn't just bring your friends to church. The goal is ha- have a fantastic relationship with Jesus that you're so passionately in love with him that you want to share this with other people. And when they fall in love with Jesus, say, hey, by the way, you need to be in a church. And then bring them. So it's, it's, it's growth that way. We never set out to, as a primary goal to grow. We, don't, we, we want to grow. Um, I think we should grow. And if we're healthy, we'll grow. We want to see more influence. We want to see more impact in the city for good. Um, and part of that is getting bigger and, and having more influence and having synergy and all those things that growth brings. But honestly, that is never the primary goal. And, and, and everything we do is not with a view towards simply numerical growth because numerical growth doesn't necessarily mean you're a healthy church. There's several, not that I'll name them, but there's several churches in America that are huge, and I wouldn't say that they're healthy. And their health does not equal big. Um, I want us to grow. I want us to be big, but not for the sake of being big, but for the sake of uh, impacting the kingdom of God. Well, Mark, uh, I appreciate your, your heart and your, your faith and your service, and, uh, and I appreciate you coming on the show. We wish you the best of luck. Mark Thomas, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social, technically. Going to wrap up the show with a special report out of Omaha, Nebraska, with a group of fraternity men doing the right thing and pitching in for a great cause. Eight-year-old Jackson Betcher has trouble getting around on his own, and that changed at a school assembly when members of the University of Nebraska ATO fraternity surprised him with a brand-new special-needs bike. It was almost an immediate decision among everyone that this is a big opportunity to help. Everyone was on board for it, said Wade Rigel of ATO. Jackson's family entered him into a raffle to win a special needs bike in March, but he did not make the cut. Then his family and friends and teacher, they started planning a fundraiser to get him one anyway until they were surprised by the generosity of Alpha Tau Omega. ATO paid for it after hearing about the story. The ATO fraternity did not even hold a fundraiser for Jackson's cause. The members just chipped in the funds as soon as they heard about this case. So congratulations to the men of ATO at the University of Nebraska uh, for doing the right thing and helping out. It's a great inspiration for all of us. Thank you, gentlemen. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.